before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Would you win more games if you had a reliable kicker or a punter who could flip the field? The answer is virtual kicking. Coach Cullen has over 15 years of experience coaching specialists and special teams. Virtual kicking is designed to be the kicking coach to schools across the country. He takes the guesswork out of coaching your specialists. From first-time kickers or to specialists trying to play in college, with pre-built, easy-to-follow plans, specialists and coaches alike follow the scripts for both in-season and off-season. Coaches love the efficient and professional instruction their players receive every week through the coaching app. Simply upload video and receive individual coaching with next steps for each week of the season. Schools are already seeing the benefits. Visit virtualkicking.com to schedule a free Zoom call or text Kicking Coach to 202-599-5077. That's Kicking Coach to 202-599-5077. Don't wait until the fourth quarter. Virtualkicking.com. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Hey guys, today I'm with Coach Drew Burton. Coach Burton is currently the assistant coach, run game coordinator, and offensive line tight ends coach at Saginaw Valley State University. Before Saginaw Valley, he was the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Alma College, uh, and then he spent time at Wisconsin Stevens Point and spent one season coaching high school football at Grand Haven High School. Coach Burton was a, a player at Grand Valley State in the GLIAC, a, a Saginaw Valley uh, rival uh, in the GLIAC, uh, and spent a, a couple of years spent uh, playing indoor football too for the Muskegon Thunder. So uh, Coach Burton, pleasure to have you. Hope things are well. How's it going? It's going good, man. Um, appreciate the intro and uh... It's, it's an honor to come on your podcast. I think you might have the most physical profile picture on Twitter. <laughs> Anywhere on earth, you look like you just got done headbutting Leonidas, which is yeah. a whole of things. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's one of those ones that, like, I'm not ever changing that. Like, that'll always you, be my You never picture. should. I'd be sad if you did. I'd be yeah, really that's, disappointed that's, if you did that. So. Yeah, that's, that's forever going to be my Twitter picture. But, uh, but I appreciate that, and, and, and I'm super excited to have you on. Um, you know, first question, uh, and, you know, kind of looking through your bio, uh, you know, you guys have had some some really great seasons, some really high statistical seasons, uh, especially at Alma and, and, and Stevens Point. Uh, talk to me about how the offensive line played a part in in that success you guys had during those couple of seasons. And as you know, it's always a big deal and always is, I think, became – became a really nice tool for us uh, at each of those different stops. And so when I got to Stevens Point, I, I really had didn't have very much experience. I'd been a high school coach and obviously had played uh, for some great coaches. I got to play for Tom Cable and Tim Drevno when I was at Idaho. And then when I was at Grand Valley, I got to play for Coach Quinn. And, and um, you know, those guys, you know, Coach Drevno was at USC up until recently. And uh, coach Cable is still, I think, the offensive line coach for Las Vegas Raiders, and Coach yep. Quinn obviously is still at Notre Dame. And so, I was just really fortunate that I got to be around some guys that were really, really good. And so, I think at Stevens Point, 
Um, was there at a time when obviously Whitewater was was winning national championships every year and they're still extremely good. And so we were, I got to kind of see some really great offensive lines in in the conference and see some of the things that they were doing and learn and grow a lot. And I think the, the neat thing being there was I got to be the offensive line coach the very first year. I was still GA those first two years and then got elevated. And um, so I think it, it gradually, we got better. Obviously at the end of that tenure, we recruited Ryan Ramchek and right. Ryan went down to Wisconsin and, and obviously he was an all American is now an all pro. And so we were, we were certainly much better when we had Ryan and we were <laughs> kind of getting more physical and building an offensive line that, it was better. And then the guy that took over for me as the offensive line coach for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now, he was, did a really good job taking that thing to the next level as I had left. And so I think when I went to Alma, Alma, I really thought, and so anytime you go to a place, I always want to know the history of the place. Right. right. And so Alma had been like a five wide spread team. They had done some fantastic things, throwing the rock around and doing some of those things. They actually had like AstroTurf in the nineties, really before anybody had it. So a lot of the best receivers and best quarterbacks and those types of guys wanted to go there, but sure. uh, Alma's really a high academic school. So I, I looked at it, said, I have kind of this vision and idea of what we could make this thing into and, and running the football and kind of being more of an option uh, you know, Q run uh, type type of attack in terms of what we wanted to do. Mm. And that's really ultimately what we ended up uh, doing. So I think that, you know, the two years, the two years before, or, you know, the, the year before I had got there, I guess the three years before I had got there, they had won four football games in the previous three years. In the last three years we were there before I moved on to SVSU, you know, we won 16 football games. So I think we're really proud of that. And then um, had been, you know, last in the conference in rushing, the previous two years uh, and actually led the, led the MIAA in rushing in 2016. So really proud of that. And there really wasn't ever, I don't think we had a thousand yard back that entire time, uh, oh, wow. but we were able to find a niche of, um, it's a great place to recruit offensive linemen. You look at, you know, the Michigans and the Stanfords and obviously it's, you know, it's division three football. And, and uh, so, you know, in terms of, a higher academic school and right we're offensive linemen we always think we're smarter than everybody else and so if you're at a place like that you think we ought to be able to recruit some really good offensive linemen and yep. I think we certainly got lucky with some kids uh, worked really hard uh, to build that and I think the biggest difference that the, the, the big thing that I always tell people this story is the first year I was in Alma we played Adrian and Adrian was really good in 2014. They won the MIAA championship that year. And we played them on homecoming. And I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where I don't, I can't remember in my life ever just getting pummeled physically <laughs> worse than we did. And Alma's got a tremendous tradition in history now. So there was always four or five, 6,000 people that would show up for our homecoming games. And we got beat and it was 31, nothing. I think we ran for like you know, 10 yards. And I think right. it was like 20 yards on a fake pun. And so I don't like it, it, it was 31, nothing, but it felt like it was 65 to minus 28. Like that was what it felt like. Um, and then in 2016, so two years later, uh, you know, we beat them and we, we scored, we got in two tight ends and slammed the ball in from, you know, on the goal line twice in the last five minutes to beat them. So I think you talk about, you know, what, what, what is your offensive line? You know, how is that indicative of your success? And I think the offensive line, particularly at Alma, and it's it's we're getting there at, at SVSU. We're really pleased with uh, you know, our place and the type of kids we're recruiting and building that mentality. You talk about you know building a mentality. Those offensive line 
um, you know, those offensive linemen at Alma really started to kind of embody that because we had been a spread team, you know, for so long. And some guys that have been there for a long time said like, Hey, listen, if you throw the ball too much, eventually your, your whole program, you know, can get soft if you're not careful about the way that you do things and things like that. So I think right. it was kind of a, not just, you know, getting better players and running different schemes and any of those types of things that we like to get really concerned with. I think what I was really, um, really proud of is the way that we were able to change the mentality of like, listen, we want to be in the phone booth. Okay, because if you if we get you into the phone booth, all right, we may not have some of the athletes that some of these other teams in the conference are going to have. But if you get into this phone booth with us, um, you know, we're going to beat you. We're going to find a way to scratch and claw and get it done. And I think I'll never forget that transformation from 14 to 16. And then just seeing those kids walk into the weight room early in 17 after we had finished our season. Uh, beating it. I, 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 you know, we left that game 2014. I said, like, my grandchildren's 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 might die before we ever beat Adrian in a football game, you know, and then <laughs> right. the kids were able to win and win it like we did. And, and really just seeing just how the kids carried themselves differently. And, you know, not, not in a bad way, not in a cocky, arrogant way, but just no, 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 yeah. in terms of um, just feeling like, man, we've really made a cultural shift in terms of what we're going to be as a program and how we're going to, how we're going to skin the cat at this place and things like that. So it's just really neat because we all have ideas and, and strategies and things that we think we're going to be able to do, but it's, it's really neat when you can accomplish those things. But when you see the changes that, that occur with the kids, when you do them. And so um, in terms of our success at that place, that was, that was something I'm really proud of and, and uh, kind of how they were tied into that. So, right. That's awesome. That's, I mean, and it, you kind of, you know, what, what's that old Mike Tyson quote? Everyone has a plan until you get punched yeah, in the face. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That's I mean, right. That's, that's, that goes hand in hand with being a football coach, especially when you get in those kind of games. So, um, you know, you kind of talked about a little bit, you, you alluded to it, you know, you're, you're obviously at Saginaw Valley state right now. And, 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 we have a little bit of a connection with there, whereas one of the coaches I currently work with was was at Saginaw Valley back in kind of their their heyday. Um, and uh, you know, you guys are trying to get to back, to get back to that, obviously. Uh, but you've got a, a bit of a unique perspective because you played in the GLIAC um, at Grand Valley. Uh, talk to me a little bit about kind of how how the GLIAC was when you were a player, as compared to now. And just kind of how that transition has been coming back to it from, you know, from a, a quote unquote rival school. Sure. And, you know, when we were in school, so from 2003 to 2006, I played at GVSU under Coach Kelly and Coach Martin, and we were 52 and four right. during that during that span of time. Right. So we were really good. That had almost nothing to do with me, I can promise you. <laughs> um but we got, we, you know, got like 17 starts or something like that. So we got out there a little bit, but we had some great players and some great pros and some guys who are still playing. But um, when you look at, you know, two of those four losses were to Saginaw Valley. So I've had right. so much respect for the toughness and just, just the nature um, of those guys during that period of time that essentially when you're, when you're that good and you're a dominant program, and obviously we won national championships three of those four years during that span of time that I was there, uh, I think a lot of times you kind of beat them with the pinstripes. You know, eventually, right. you know, teams will kind of roll over on you. They, you know, it's, it's it, you know, a lot of 21-14 games at halftime become, you know, 56-14 games, you know, 
two minutes left in the third quarter. Um, it, having good players helps. Having great coaches helps. Having great culture helps. Having you know all these different things. But ultimately, a lot of teams are are, are scared of you. The, the guys at Saginaw Valley were never scared, and so. There was a couple of great alums. Uh, one was Josh Miller that was a defensive lineman that played in uh, Canadian football for a couple of years. The other guy's name is Dan Fedrosi, who um, lives in Wisconsin now, runs recruiting service, and kind of brought me to Saginaw Valley. And those guys were players on those teams back when they were, you know, they, they won about half the games against us. Uh, you know, we had, we had a couple big wins against them in the playoffs, but the, the Cardinals were never scared of the Lakers ever. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think coming back to the league now, I think the difference is everything is so much more globalized in recruiting now. So like normally you wouldn't see, you know, kids from Indianapolis playing in the GLIAC or kids from as many kids from Chicago, maybe as there are now or kids all over the place in Ohio. And really all of the GLIAC schools were fully funded and we've all got, you know, phenomenal facilities and indoor facilities and all these different things. So I think we're all pulling from a wider you know, just essentially from a wider footprint. And right. so back in the day, all the good players went to Grand Valley and Saginaw Valley for the most part. You know, Michigan Tech had some good teams. There was you know, always, you know, another team. Northwood was very good at that time running the, um, you know, the wood bone back in the day. And so I think there wasn't like enough good players in Michigan to, to make all those programs really elite, whereas now everybody's footprint is much bigger uh, Wayne is really, really good. Obviously, Ferris has kind of dominated the GLIAC here for the last little bit, and that's where our head coach came from. Um, so you see, man, really good players and just a much better distribution across the conference. I think top to bottom, this conference is as good as any um, in, the, in the country. And you see it when we play non-conference games against really good teams and uh, from other conferences that have winning records in their conference. And then, you know, uh, one team in our conference you know, played a you know team that was above 500 team in their conference and, and that team I think like won one game you know or something like that in the GLIAC right. just because the GLIAC is so good top to bottom and so um, I think that's the biggest difference between then and now is I think you know in those four years man you know we won 52 games I don't we I mean there might have been 40 of those games that I would say weren't even, weren't in any way competitive. So you get deep into the playoffs and you're still healthy. And so that was a big reason. Right. Obviously we won that my senior year. I don't, you know, Wayne state went to Nest championship in 11. Um, Ferris went a couple of years ago, but nobody's won it since then. It's hard to, it's hard to keep your whole team healthy all the way through the playoff run right. because it's just, man, the league is so good. And it was obviously really similar to being in the WIAC and having, you know, three or four different top 25 teams, uh, every just in your schedule and then a lot of times you got to play one or two of those teams again in the playoffs in terms of some of those runs that you know Whitewater or Oshkosh made so it's right. it's really impressive when you see what some of these places and some of these schools have done um, you know and, and and a lot of times we, we didn't get you know we won it in 2006 we really didn't have a competitive game until we got to the championship game you know we won the first I think three playoff games and then obviously that the championship game was a dogfight with Northwest Missouri who was so good um, you know so but I guess that's, you know, in terms of how, how has it changed? I think it's changed yeah. in a lot of ways. Those would be the biggest ways I would, I would tell you. So. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cool. Cause you know, I, I, I sit and, and talk with, with coach Kiernan, who was the offensive coordinator there for a long time about, sure about kind of how, how dominant, like you said, how dominant that league was back then, because I mean, you guys, essentially you guys would beat the crap out of each other in the league uh, and then get to the playoffs and just kind of roll people, you know, <laughs> because sure. you guys had such a tough time 
against each other uh, that everybody else was sort of just, you know, an easier game. I don't, I don't want to say, you know, it's a bad, bad term to say easier game, but sure. just a, a, a little bit of a, a better game for you guys to win. So it, it's kind of, it's cool that, that you guys had that, um, had that success just in the league. And, and, you know, he's got such good fond stories about the the rivalry and I'm sure you've, you know, you do as well from, from a different perspective, obviously he was a coach, you were a player, but sure. um, you know, those were, those were always such, such cool things to, to hear about. Um, so, uh, you know, second question I've got for you from looking at your bio and, and you're actually the second coach that I'm going to ask this to, um, but uh, you know, you've got uh, an interesting little blurb on there where, where you spent two years playing for the Muskegon Thunder, uh, which was a professional indoor football team. Um, I, that always fascinates me. I'm always curious about that. What, was that something that you sort of pursued or they pursued you or, or, or how did that happen? And, and just talk a little bit about that experience you had, uh, you know, because not a lot of guys get to do that. So uh, I'm always, like I said, I'm always kind of fascinated by that uh, part of your career. Sure. And when I got done playing, I had started a real estate career really before I had even got done with school. And so I was selling real estate in Grand Rapids there for mm -hmm. all the way up until we went to, to Stevens Point. And so it's one of those things where one of our teammates was from Muskegon and had known the people that had the franchise. And so they were um, just trying to find like local guys and guys that had played at, you know, local division two, division three schools and things like that. And we had, we had so many guys that had went on and, and got cups of coffee in the league. And a lot of guys have played for a really long time in the league and right. a lot of really good offensive linemen. And so um, I, you know, I had started and played some games, but just kind of still had, still had a desire to continue to play. And just one of you know, a couple of my buddies had went and you know played and, and had called me at one point and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming and doing this? And um, it was, it kind of, it's, it's turned into a running joke of like, I was like, absolutely. I want to do it. And then, at some point, I was just getting a little bit older. I mean, not old for earth, but old for you know, <laughs> organized football. And so at one point I came home and it got in the cold tub and essentially like my back seized up on me when I was like in between like the cold tub and like headed back to my room. And so I'm essentially like, I got a towel and all this, you know, and my wife essentially like finds me and she's just like, Hey, uh, here's the deal. This is what's going to happen is you're going to finish the season and you're not ever going to play again. You know, cause I don't want to, I don't want to like, I need you. All right. You're important. Okay. So, um, which was made me feel good at the time, but right. it, uh, so it was one of those things like occasionally I'll usually bust it out like once every maybe like 18 months where I'll craft this ridiculous text message to my wife and to my mom and say, Hey, listen, the fire is back. Okay. I'm going to find another team and I'm going to go back and I'm going to play. And so they're fully over that at this right. point. They have no issues telling me about it anymore. But um, so I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I think it was the second year that I did it was the year that the AFL, you know, the AF1 shut down. And so mm -hmm. all those guys came down, um, you know, to play in the IFL, which was the league that we were in. And so there was really good players and it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was really challenging and neat and interesting. And obviously, you know, you're playing in kind of, you know, dark arenas and things like that. A lot of these things maybe weren't quite as well funded as we would like for them to be. And there was, right. you know, some of those, definitely some of those minor league football stories, I guess, is, is what they would become. But um, I, I'm you know just big on competition, obviously, and, you know, definitely love helping kids and got into coaching for that reason. But um, anything I think you can do to, to challenge yourself. And now that's, 
you know, I'm getting older and that's different things in terms of working out and, and you know, some of those types of things. But I think you always got to find ways to challenge yourself and, and compete. And obviously it's easy for us. And, you know, as in, in college athletics, we're constantly competing all the time and things like that. But um, so I think that that part of it was really good. And I met some, you know, met some great coaches and great players and some of those guys during the process and um, really kind of got my first coaching job through some of those guys that were my coaches uh, with the Thunder. And that's how right. I got to Grand Haven is the connection there and was able to, to get in and coach on the varsity as a first year guy and coach the defensive line. And so um, it really kind of was a gateway for me to get into coaching. And you talk about guys that it's like, well, he's got the sickness or coach, you know, any of these different types of terms about like, man, just guys that get into coaching and love it and, and really can't do anything else after that. So I, that was definitely me. I you know started coaching at the high school level and, and, uh, fell in love with it. And so kind right. of you know, minor league football to, to, you know, that gateway to now was definitely big for me just because it provided a lot of those opportunities that kind of one thing led to another and here we are. So, right. That's awesome. I, I mean, that's, to me, that's kind of, I love that because I, you know, it's one of those things that like, I, I played a lot of quote unquote semi-pro football as well, getting out of college. So um, I can remember like, just beating the crap out of my body and being like, why am, what, what is the purpose of this? Like, why am I doing this? And why am I having to go to the doctor for injury still? And I'm 30 something years old. So uh, <laughs> I definitely get that. I get the competitive part of things. So um, uh, it's uh, it was always, like I said, it's always kind of interesting when I can see that on some guys' bios because um, you know, it's, it's fun. It's just, it, it's, you know, I was one of those guys like you, like I didn't want to hang up the cleats. I wanted to keep playing and, um, you know, it, it, it helped me a little bit in, in the world of coaching, but not quite as well as you, but it, it still was such a fun experience that I, I never, um, you know, I'll never regret any of those, any of those things I got to do. So, um, that, that's pretty cool. Well, it was big time. I mean, fiscally with the, you know, the $200 a game contract that I signed with a $25 a game win bonus, that's really, really lucrative. So that's huge though. That's yeah, huge. I mean, yeah. Was... We used to just get chicken wings and, and adult beverages after the game. So See, you might've got, you might've got more than I did then. You might've made out better. I think that <laughs> probably when it all, happened, when it all so. boils down, probably so. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, coach, last question I've got for you, and this is something I ask everybody, but um, if you could put together a, a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from guys you played with, um, guys you've coached, or maybe just guys you were a fan of watching, uh, you know, watching the game, um, who would be on that five-man offensive line? So just guys in coaching. Um, I mean, like, just like the quick answer to that would be the early 2000s Kansas City Chiefs offensive line with Willie Rofe and, and Will Shields and, um Brian Waters and and uh, there and there was there's some great teams there that yeah. uh, Priest Holmes a running back and Larry Johnson I'm a big Chiefs fan my whole family's from Kansas but um, Ryan Ramchak would be the left tackle obviously he's, you know I know he's playing right tackle now for the Saints but played for us at Stevens Point and was man it was such a cool story because I just remember going to his house and he had left a school that he was at and he was back home and. Um, you know, he just had a, he and his, his girlfriend that he was with even then just had a baby and, and whatnot. And so uh, I put on his Facebook post of that, you know, we, the first offer. All right. So hopefully that's not an NCAA violation um, <laughs> on his son. But, uh, and I just remember like just an 18 year old kid, you know, and he's six, six and two eighty and looks like, you know, Zeus and all get out and things like that. And right. 
having a conversation at the table and having a dad saying like, well, I think he's got maybe some aspirations after this. And Ryan's like, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to play at the next level someday. And he was kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about coming to Stevens point. So maybe this is ridiculous for me to say. And I was like, Hey, I've seen you. You're, this is definitely within your capabilities and things right. like that. And obviously to see him transfer down to Wisconsin and see him, you know, become a superstar there and become a superstar with the saints. Obviously was really neat. Um, and there were some guys I played with. So like, but you know, guy that stood up my wedding, Brandon Barnes from, um, Detroit, Michigan, that was a great player for Grand Valley, was, you know, two-time All-American um, and played, it was with the Colts for a while, was with the Ravens for a while, was an integral part of a bunch of those national championship teams, um, a GVSU, a Josh Burke played for a long time, was a former roommate um, and, uh, you know, played for a long time in the Canadian Football League, was another integral part of a bunch of those GVSU championship teams. Um, Billy Eisenhart will be the center from Macomb, Dakota, was a tremendous player and played a bunch of indoor football there for a, for a long time after he got done. I don't know, they didn't think he was big enough to play in the league, was a f fantastic player. Yeah. At Grand Valley, another guy that I played with uh, during that point in time. Um, I mean, the other guy, you know, the other guard on that team will be a guy named Jake Kennedy, who's a head coach at Lowell High School now, was a fantastic player, was an undersized guy was a really good player on all those GVSU teams. It's, and there's, there's been so many good kids that obviously we've coached and, and I'm leaving out here, but in terms of just guys that I played with and obviously Rammer and some of those guys, but we've, we've been very blessed. It's, there's just not that many good offensive linemen on earth, you know, and obviously right. if you, um, that's always been a huge philosophy of mine is we, we probably take, you know, guys that are shorter, you know, that's, that's ultimately, if you can't find the guys you want, you know, look at shorter guys, that kind of thing is, Obviously, you spent a long time coaching Division Three football, and that was really successful for us, building those offensive lines at, at Alma. Um, but a lot of similarities between all those guys, regardless of the level or, you know, all those guys were tough. All those guys were hard-nosed. All those guys were great workers. All those guys came to work with their lunch pail and, and uh, you know, did things at a high level. And we've been really lucky to be around a lot of good ones. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's At this, at, at the Division Three level right now, especially, like, it's – this is a place for those, like you were saying, those guys who, who aren't necessarily passing that eyeball test, but just love the game and really can compete and really are, are, are great players in their own, you know, in their own world that, that can get a chance to come do it. So that's awesome. Um, sure. But yeah. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Uh, this was great. I had, I had a super time with you. Um, you know, I'm not sure kind of what, what your guys is, spring looks like but uh best of luck to you hopefully the weather's not too bad and you can get some get some work done and uh you know looking forward to to seeing your guys success and talking more in the future thanks so much coach i really appreciate you having me on and uh good luck same thing to the to the foresters so all right awesome coach well i appreciate you and we will uh we'll talk soon yes sir all right thanks Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform.